0: Hello and welcome to the 89th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. Tonight we are here to review Triple Frontier, which as Lady Gaga had previously let us know, is the combination of hair, body, and face, as she told us (laughs) in A Star is Born.
1: (laughs) Well, it also reminded us that there's always money in the banana stand.
0: There's always money in the banana stand Wise words, Trevor No, Triple Frontier is a new film from J.C. Chandor Written by Mark Bull And stars pretty much all the bros I mean, you got Ben Affleck You got Oscar Isaac You got Charlie Hunnam You got Garrett Hedlund And Pedro Pascal So, you best believe
2: This is a bro-out movie I I didn't know who
1: Pedro Pascal was before this But he's awesome you're fan. about to know yeah. him pretty
0: pretty great. Yeah, he's, he's well. the Mandalorian, right? Yes. Yep.
2: Oh.
1: Yeah. Yep. Very, very pleased about that. He's just really cool.
0: I like him. He's a cool dude. But, I mean, let's face it. This is a bro movie, so do we all have our cutoff tanks on? Backwards hats?
2: I always have a cutoff tank on. Even if I'm shirtless, I secretly
0: have one on. <laughs> You're never nude, but with a cutless tank.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: I I just lost in the fourth round of an MMA fight, so I think I'm ready. <laughs>
0: hey, but at least you have your tap out shirt on, so that's yeah, right. We got that that's going right. for us. My name is Cameron Salina, and I am joined by my co-host Jake Brown and Trevor Allison, who are just the broiest Hello. of bros. That's right.
1: Full disclosure: my wife made the banana stand joke while we were watching the movie last night, mm. and wow. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing
0: so hard.
2: That's sarah represent way to go it's it. so good
0: way to go sarah um now before we get into this do we want to each give each other code names to call each other by this episode you know pope red fly iron listen ben. i thought for
1: like half the movie that pope was just his last name because you know that's a mm-hmm. name
0: it wasn't until i saw the wikipedia page that i realized it wasn't
2: Oh, I thought it was last name, too. No,
1: nope. his, his, his name Great. is Santiago something.
2: I
0: can't remember Garcia. Now. Yeah, that's right.
2: Did they name a Pope because he's Catholic?
0: Uh, you know, Jake, your guess is as good as mine. Never explain.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or Redfly, awesome. or Ironhead, or Catfish, or why Garrett Headland's character, Ben, doesn't have a name whatsoever.
2: You know, yeah. you don't always need a nickname. When you're that bro. Yeah. I mean, the broness speaks for itself.
1: He is the peak bro. I don't want to get uh, ahead of us ourselves, but he is the the bro
2: his, his, his nickname is probably Fight Night. That's his nickname.
0: <laughs> I will say this. I'm a fan of Garrett Hedlund because he did Tron Legacy, a very underrated movie that we all love.
1: Tron Legacy is
0: awesome. Oh, I said I that jokingly. That. But wow. I think Trevor, it is. Actually, it
1: is kind of awesome. Like, it's not good, but it's kind of awesome.
0: It's exactly what I want out of a popcorn movie.
1: Yeah. It's got a great soundtrack, too. Ooh, Def Punk.
0: Yeah, bringing it. Def Punk. We should also mention that by the time this podcast is released, as of midnight on Tuesday, March 19th, Disney and Fox will officially become one.
2: Uh, ooh. Big, big things.
0: So get ready to have a Marvel Universe with the X-Men.
1: I I don't even know if this is a hot take, but my take was the MCU is getting along just fine without them. <laughs> Although Yeah, I, that's true. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are technically X-Men, they just yes. didn't get in the rights and whatever because they're Magneto's children. Although not in the MCU they aren't. So whatever.
2: I don't I don't think people have really like fully thought through how huge yes. this is. Disney buying Fox. I mean, that's I can't. That's like the NFL buying the MLB or something. I like. Yeah, I
0: that's a pretty good comparison.
2: It's crazy. It's it's insane.
0: Or the United States buying Canada, Apple buying <laughs> Shots. Microsoft.
2: Shots fired. Um, it is like Apple buying yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. It's it's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Imagine if all Android devices were still Android devices, but they were made and sold by Apple. Essentially.
2: Yeah. Hulu is gonna
0: now be part of Disney or owned by Disney at least. Disney now has the rights to the original Star Wars, so maybe they release the originals. Who knows?
1: I did read today. Fun fact about the the Star Wars streaming rights are owned by Turner through 2024. So how? the original six Star Wars films will not be on Disney Plus till at least then.
2: Isn't it crazy how like rights just get distributed so randomly? It'll be like, you know what, we'll give you the rights to Spider-Man, you the rights to this character, you get the rights to the film version of this character, you get the rights to the TV version of that character, (laughs) and you get Star Wars on the internet. Because why the well, hell not? Right. And especially
1: and especially for this, I mean, I know it's kind of silly to say, but like a relatively small company like Lucasfilm, as far as the IP they had when they were an independent company, mm-hmm. it's like George Lucas was like, oh yeah, you can stream Star Wars for six years. I've been wanting to add another guest house at the ranch. Yeah, why not? You know, like <laughs> like it's it almost feels like that for some of the smaller companies.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He makes millions a year just off of the merch. So he's doing fine.
2: Doing just fine on that four billion.
0: I will say, Uh, what what a life
1: to live. (laughs) This
0: is a prediction. I would place a bet. I would feel comfortable placing this bet that New Mutants from Fox, the supposed horror film that's been delayed fifteen million times, but is fully completed, will actually be released on like Netflix or Disney Plus.
2: Yeah, I mean it doesn't oh, yeah, look definitely. it doesn't look good, so that's where you put what stuff. Gonna that's do not it, good. They're
1: gonna Disney's gonna do what they do, and they're gonna bring in under the radar someone to come fix it, like whoever it was that supposedly did it to Rogue One after Gareth Edwards was finished. And it's gonna be a, be- a good movie because that's what Disney does.
0: Yep, we'll just get Ron Howard again. <laughs> hey, Ron, we got another movie for you. You're not busy, are you? No, no, I got time. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get to the 23rd class of Honorable Mench. This is a segment that we do from time to time where we like to honor, commemorate, reward people who are above and beyond. And what I mean by that is if I knew nothing about a movie other than this person was involved, would I go see it? We call it the blind test. So I don't know anything about a movie except for the fact that Jordan Peele is directing it. Is that enough to make me go see it? My answer would be yes. I could know nothing based off of Get Out and, and, you know, we're going to see Us this week and the hype seems real. But between those two, I'd say yes. And, you know, Christopher Nolan, for example, has a film coming out July 21st, 2020. I know nothing about it, but I know that on July 21st, 2020, my butt will be in a seat watching that movie in IMAX. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So other than that, maybe. maybe we'll see. We'll see. Depends how old I am by then. How old will I be? I'll be 30. I'll be almost 30. Oh, I'll be 30. God. Mm. We're getting old. All right. Other than that, there's two kind of minor criteria. Uh, they must have been in or worked on more than five films, and in order for them to become a mensch, all three of us must unanimously agree that they are worthy of passing the blind test. We've had some ups and downs. We've had some some great picks, but I would like to point something out. I have not had a pick go through and become an honorable mensch since episode 65 when we reviewed (laughs) The Godfather. That was in August of 2018. It has been (laughs) over six months since I have gotten a pick in. I have nominated Viola Davis, Samuel L. Jackson, Vin Diesel, Lucas Hedges, and John Bernthal, and I have been destroyed every single time.
2: Well, so here's tonight, I
0: think. I'm going to go with a safe pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I will reveal that pick after you two reveal yours. So here we oh. go. Okay. Oh, wow, okay.
2: <laughs> Jake. All right, uh, I'll yeah. start. This is somebody who, you know, he's not always in a home run of a movie, but he always makes you smile and always makes you laugh and has a surprisingly good dramatic side to him, a good emotional side to him. But really you, you see this you see this person's work for the laughs. You know what you're going to get with this person and it's always enjoyable. And that is the incredibly talented Jack Black.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um Jack Black is somewhat fringe for me. This is this is an interesting one. You put somebody up there that's very like that's very on the edge for me. Like I, I feel like I've, I could go either way. I'm looking through his filmography right now and he's always entertaining, but you know, part of being a mensch is also picking movies that it's uh, like are interesting and that you, I want to go see them no matter what. But well, I, I, Jack
2: Black. I somewhat agree with that. I think part of being a That's min- the whole thing. is being able to take something that would be fringe, but like your performance elevates it. Like, for example, something like Jumanji. Jumanji was pretty good, but a lot of Jack Black's humorous moments in the film for me bumped it up to like, you know what? That was fantastic. Or his voice work in Kung Fu Panda. Um, Even his his most recent this is going to sound ridiculous, his current YouTube channel called Jablinsky Games where he makes fun of YouTube gamers and it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious.
0: I was actually about to ask that, Jake. How much of Jablinsky Games have you watched so far?
2: I've watched a few videos. It's pretty funny. Okay.
1: Uh, I haven't seen any of that.
0: I, did, I didn't know that it
1: existed, but I'll have to look into that. Yeah, The
0: fastest growing YouTube channel of all time. Or the quickest to reach a million. I don't remember what it was. He broke some sort of record though with it trevor Trevor. (laughs)
1: so so cam what did you say
0: (laughs) i'm i'm kind of on the fence i'm taking some time to think about it because Uh i'm looking through his filmography and trying to count like there's obvious films like school of rock that it's like okay that's iconic and nacho libre i'd put up there i love king kong maybe that's a peter jackson thing i think he's pretty great in that
1: yeah Think I'm trying he's... to look through,
0: but it's like, I can't... Oh, Tropic Thunder is pretty great.
2: Tenacious he's D. He's also great
1: in The Holiday. He is great yeah. in The
2: Holiday. High Fidelity. i
1: any of the Tenacious D stuff. Bernie. He is really good in High Fidelity.
2: Bernie, um, yeah. One of the greatest just... of all time.
0: Waterworld. So...
1: <laughs> he has a... The House with the Clock in Its Walls problem. <laughs>
2: Yes, I Although, I agree with that, but Goosebumps is fantastic.
1: To be to be fair to that, to be fair to that, there's no one in that film that would have made me want to see that. Yes. Um it looks like Matilda part 2, which I hate I hate Matilda. Oh, it's awful. Really? Um, yeah, it's just too whimsy, too whimsical. I don't know. So he, um, anyway. he, here
0: here's something that I want to bring up. In the past four years going back to the beginning of 2015 I've seen two of his movies Goosebumps and Jumanji and he's arguably not the lead of Jumanji he's supporting it's hard for so, me to give a yes to
2: let, let me hop in here real quick because I think I know where you're going okay he, he has made it clear in the media that as his children have gotten older and like able to watch the things that he's working on he's taking on an active role in creating children's media um that he like wants his kids to watch and have fun with and so that kind of explains like over the last like five to six years this shift more into like the kids film not so high quality performances um
0: Okay, but Jake, even if we look at the back the past year, he put out four separate movies and we saw at least me, I saw none of them. I had yeah. zero interest in any of them.
2: That's fair. We are also forgetting though his uh his incredible performance as Sam in the film that Andy Bernard and Jim Halpert <laughs> and Pamela Beasley watch in the break room.
0: Jack Black was that's on the office.
1: True. He was, yeah. Sam, in a
0: movie, Sam. on the office.
1: <laughs> Press the button.
0: <laughs> Press the reverse button. Is there like an automatic in for office people? Do can we just nominate the entire cast to be like, <laughs> if you were ever involved in the office, you're a mensch.
2: That's straight that's up a broad swath of people.
0: Creed Bratton, Ugh. mensch. This All was, right. Vote on it. Yeah,
2: this Go. is this Just is a tough on one
1: it. for me. I, I really like Jack Black. I actually wish I know Jake you talked about him pivoting more towards kids stuff. I think he's better at being serious and emotional than he is at being funny. Um I yeah, love I, his, I mean, I love his serious roles where he brings some humor to it. Um like the Nacho Libre kind of thing is is fun, but not really his best, I don't think. Yeah. Um but ugh. I think he's I think he's uh for me, talented, great, but just not enough on his own to bring me to something,
2: okay,
0: I would agree with that. I'm with Trevor, so yeah unfortunately, he's, he's
1: definitely like the Allison Janney like talented, I love him, but not enough on his own,
0: yeah, okay, all right, well, Trevor, your pick, okay, so
1: until I thought of this person, my pick was going to be us not doing this for like a year because i'm running out of ideas um, so maybe that's something we should evaluate um, i but like I this point
0: this... though where we're when we're getting to the harder picks that's like you really kind of have to dig to get something right i right. think that's and more so... fun than the like okay i nominated christopher nolan jake nominated steven spielberg and trevor nominated the corn <laughs> brothers. okay there we go all in yes of course
1: yeah um, okay, so this is someone who hasn't done a lot of movies lately, or really ever, but along the lines of kind of the Tina Fey or Greg Daniels of, if they were writing, directing, starring in a movie, we would definitely want to see it, 100%. And this person is America's fun aunt, Ellen DeGeneres.
2: Oh, wow. Huh. She's just so
1: fun, you guys. She's so joyful.
2: America's fun aunt. What a great yeah. nickname.
1: Like if like if Tom Hanks is America's dad, Ellen DeGeneres is America's fun aunt.
2: I would agree with that. Um, I'll go ahead and give give my thoughts. So So Ellen is one of those people that's really interesting because she's incredibly talented and is really only known for one thing but is super involved in a lot of things that people don't understand. Like she's, she's had more of an impact on our culture and our media than most people understand. Like she kind of created what is now like the formula of the daily talk show of like the fun, lightheartedness variety of people, musicians. Um, and, and she
1: brought Oprah to the 21st century.
2: Yes, that's very much. It's like an internet focus. Like she was the first person to do that. Um, the the embrace of internet culture um, and bringing that into TV culture and kind of like bouncing them off of each other. Uh, and she produces a lot of things. She also had a fantastic stand-up special last year called Relatable on Netflix. Um, so for me, it's a yes. I, I think for me, it's more of like a lifetime achievement award vote because of the impact that she's had. Uh, it, it's just in indescribable but i would love to see her in more like straight tv and movie stuff like i think that that would be really interesting
1: did you guys i so you know she had her own sitcom mhm um just like for one season i think um did you guys know that jim gaffigan was in it <laughs>
2: i did not know that did
1: not know that i did not, it was just called ellen she played. Um, oh no! Wait, sorry. She has. She's had. That was her show that lasted for a while. There was one. Sorry, I I forgot what it was called now. Um. So there was Ellen. The was Ellen, Ellen show. For, maybe it was. Yeah. yeah, the Ellen show
0: is the one that Jim Gaffigan's on.
1: Yeah, it only lasted for one season. Um, back when they, you know, just and it was so it was it was created by Mitch Hurwitz of Arrested Development fame, and Carol Leifer, who was a staff writer on Seinfeld. Um, hmm. So all of that kind of makes me want to watch this show that somehow got canceled after one season.
2: It was canceled because she came out as a lesbian.
1: Oh, really? Is that why it was canceled?
2: Mm-hmm. Because people were like,
1: you know what? All right. Well, maybe it's funny. I bet it is.
2: <laughs> it probably is pretty funny. Also, uh, her role is Dory. We can't forget that.
1: Right. Fantastic as Dory.
0: Uh, so let me just say this. Ellen as a daytime host, person, all that. Great. Love her. She's awesome. Probably if I had to pick like a daytime talk show host to watch, um, you know, it'd be between. No, it'd be her. I'm not even going to make a joke about it. It'd be her. She's great. And... Uh, what I'm wrestling with is whether or not that's enough to make her a mensch. And I would say yes. I would say yes in my eyes because I think that she is very talented. Maybe this is like a heart pick. Maybe this is one of those like you're such but a also, good person that it's like, like I want to support whatever you're involved in. That like makes How sense.
1: intrigued would you be if she <clears throat> like if it came out that she was writing and directing like a semi-autobiographical movie about her life or something like that. Like, I would be... I would be... You're right. I would be
0: 100% in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's in. Yeah, Ellen, welcome. Honorable mensch. Ellen DeGeneres. Boom. Ellen. Okay. My pick is somebody who... I'm surprised has not gotten in. You know, it's taken us 23. 23 was his number back when he played um, Michael (laughs) Jordan. Purely off Space Jam and the fact that he gambled. (laughs) No. Um, No, I really am surprised that it took us this long. He's somebody who... There was a streak there for a while where I would consider that he was probably my favorite actor at that time. And he's kind of been a little bit more quiet the past couple of years. He hasn't done as much. Um, he's still super talented. And I can list off a handful of movies right now that he's in that I, I would be like, I'll sit down and watch that movie tonight. Cause he's just incredible. And that is none other than uh, people's best looking man of all time. Brad Pitt. So Brad Pitt is this, he's kind of this
1: weird character of like kind of generally accepted as like a first tier movie star, but he doesn't really very often have like typical leading man kind of roles.
0: I would I argue against that. And I would say that he's had some very like he's, he's probably the lead. Like uh, I would say that he's co-lead in uh fight club. He's the lead in seven. Uh, you could even look like more recent and Glorious Bastards. He's the lead. He's, yeah,
1: but he doesn't... I don't know. It, they just don't seem like... He's the lead in the Assassination that, of like...
0: Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford.
1: Eh, that movie's about Casey Affleck. Lead about um,
0: Moneyball? Wow. Lead in Moneyball? Moneyball?
1: Moneyball? Yeah. Lead I mean, in Fury? I, just, I, just, I, don't, I don't have a problem with him. He's just a really... I don't know. A, a really kind of interesting character. I'm sometimes not sure if he's a great actor or a terrible actor. Um,
0: Shots fired.
2: I don't. I just. So, Trevor Lemon. Are you guys about to know Brad Pitt? uh, I'm.
0: I'm working through this. Calm your tits. We're about to get into a fight.
2: So, I, I am a big fan of Brad Pitt. Um, not only is he just the most gorgeous man in the world, um, but he. He okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some credits that he has been a part of um that you might find interesting. Uh The Departed, Tree of Life, Moneyball, World War Z, Twelve Years a Slave, Fury, Selma, Big Short, Moonlight, Okja, uh what else? Beautiful boy, if Beale Street Could Talk. Um, Those are all the films that he is a producer or executive producer on, not even acting in. And so I think Brad Pitt, for his acting performances alone, probably would be a no. But he's made this turn in the last like six years of his career where he's become one of the most influential and powerful producers in Hollywood. Um, And he's also working with younger uh, directors, directors, with like people of color that have have stories that uh most studios or executive producers wouldn't really want to touch or get the opportunity to tell um that that also includes i think like four or five best picture nominations of the last three years so dudes on fire so for me uh it's a yes brad pitt
1: so if it's brad pitt eating on screen it's definitely a yes (laughs) Um, no one, and I mean, he does it. I mean, most famously in Ocean's 11, I guess, but, but in any film in which he's, he's just like a, a mesmerizing eater. Like, I don't understand it. It's, it's very weird. (laughs) It's very, it's a very strange talent. Um, yeah, it's, it's a yes for me. He kind of has that, um, that Tom Cruise thing (laughs) of where like. Every movie he's in is like it at the very least entertaining. Like he's mm-hmm. just not in movies mm-hmm. that are like bad or unwatchable. Um, and he can also be very hilarious when when it calls for it. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I I think I think yes, it's he's, um, not always in the kind of movie that I want to see, but I'm always pleased by by his presence.
0: Okay, well, Brad Pitt, Ellen DeGeneres. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Very proud to have you. And Jack Black, we love you, but we are sorry. So <laughs> that's all we have. For- Let's
2: be real, though. Out of all of the people that might actually listen to this, it's Jack Black. <laughs> so I know. So we just screwed ourselves.
0: Yes, we definitely did. I cannot wait for the next Jablinski Games video where he just rips into us and then we shut down the <laughs> podcast because of all the hate mail that we get.
1: Listen, so, him ripping into us would probably be really good publicity for us. Probably the best we. Oh, ever. absolutely!
2: Did you guys know that Brad Pitt cannot enter China because of his role in Seven Years in Tibet? He's banned from being in the country of China. Oh, that's so cool! That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so cool.
0: That was maybe the most Trevor response that could have been given at that moment. <laughs> he's banned from China, oh, man, that's so cool. <laughs> I wish I was banned from China. All right, Britta.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: kidding, Trevor. Um, Yeah, I don't know how else to end that. That was pretty, pretty perfect. All right, let's go ahead and get to our review of triple frontier. The newest Netflix movie. I mean, does that count? They've probably released a couple since then. I mean, how would we even
1: know? (laughs) Even if you're on Netflix, it doesn't necessarily tell you that something new just came
0: out. Do you ever think (laughs) about like how many movies they drop that nobody like? I'm curious, like, what's the most recent? What's the movie that's released this year that that no like has the fewest views? There has to be a movie that like like hardly anybody's watched that's just sitting there. Yeah,
1: if their their viewing stats being publicly available would be incredibly interesting.
0: Netflix has had an interesting past couple of years, especially this past year with, you know, they had arguably two of the biggest names in directing direct films that ended up on their platforms exclusively. You had the Coen brothers direct The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and then you had, I think, their first nomination for Best Picture in Roma from Alfonso Cuaron, and he won Best Director, I think it's... I don't know. Uh, I probably should have looked this up. I don't know if it's the first time that a Netflix film has won an Oscar, but it seems like it. Uh, I would have felt like it was a bigger deal. But even beside that, they've had big people working on their platform now for a little bit. You have Steven Soderbergh released a film last month called High Flying Bird. Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th has been on there for a couple of years. D. Ree's film Mudbound was two years ago. Was that last year? Or two years ago. Either way. Great film. Yeah, Garrett Hedlund. Yeah. And then even this past weekend, David Fincher and Tim Miller, Tim Miller, who is the director of John Wick and Deadpool, I believe, uh, just produced an animated anthology series called love, death and robots. So, and then one of the biggest directors of all time, Martin Scorsese has a film coming out on Netflix later this year. So, they're doing big things. It's I feel like we are past that point where we are looking at Netflix films as like, okay, nobody big ever does anything on Netflix because clearly that's wrong. They've had big budget movies like Mowgli and Bright, even though they were, I guess, critically panned. You don't know if they're commercial flops. Netflix claims that Bright is one of the most watched movies on Netflix of all time, but who knows? They also have Adam Sandler I, doing I his garbage believe,
1: I believe that, but how it much of that is a hate good. watch
0: that people wouldn't go to a theater to hate watch? Like, people there's this Will weird Smith. thing with Netflix where you're already paying for it, so you're gonna, of course, watch it. Like, yeah. if you had to pay ten dollars to go see it, I seriously doubt as many people would have hate watched it.
1: Also, that Bastille song is is a real banger. It's so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, even within the past year, you had films that kind of worked their way into the zeitgeist with, you know, bird box had its moment, whether it's the stupid challenge that it created or just the (sighs) intrigue behind the movie. And then there's, you know, romantic comedies that have started to make their rise, set it up to all the boys of love before that were some of the most watched movies on Netflix, uh, Netflix original or not last year. So there's a lot that Netflix has going on, but at least for me, there is still a, big difference between the two and so i want to i want to put this question out there and i have a certain answer but i want to get your guys opinion before i give it but what's what's the biggest difference that you guys feel like between a netflix movie and a traditional movie released in a theater outside of obviously the screen size or the audio what's the biggest difference between the two
1: Hmm. i mean for For me, I've joked about this texting with you guys this week, but it's part of it is like the buildup to a movie. Like, I didn't know Triple Frontier existed until like last Wednesday. Um, there's just like almost no marketing that happens. Um, I mean, we, uh, they marketed Roma a little differently, I think, because Alfonso Coron carries weight and they, they knew they had an award contender on their hands. Um, so that's kind of a really a really weird thing. There's also the big difference is is huge. Like Netflix spends a lot of money on their stuff, so everything they make looks good, like aesthetically it looks good. But you never know based on their tracker with TV shows if that actually means anything about the quality of the show. Um, the Crown is beautiful and really a slog to watch, um, but but yeah, it's it's kind of this these kind of I don't know if it's business side of things or marketing side of things just like kind of looking into things using my my normal like radar for determining if something is worth watching doesn't really work for Netflix because of the way they market and d- or don't
2: Yeah um so the way that movies are made is very different than the way that original series are made um what's interesting about Triple Frontier I think kind of sums up this difference and kind of sums up what the Netflix movie has been besides Roma. Um, Netflix movies, streaming movies in general, are, aren't produced by these companies. Um, this script bounced around for 10 years. Multiple production companies had their hands on it. Netflix, I'm pretty sure, bought the rights to this after it was produced, Mm. and that's how most of these kind of films work. They go to they go to film festivals. They're produced by production companies, and then the distribution or distributor buys it from the production company for however much money. Everybody gets paid. Woohoo! And then that's when the usual marketing would take place, and then the theater release. Right, which makes it different than like Roma
1: or. Um, yes or mudbound which i believe were completely produced by netflix
0: i think this one was completely produced by netflix though because if i remember right they bought it a long time ago when it was originally a ben affleck casey affleck movie before it went into production
2: because i've read different reports where like the producers sold it to netflix so who knows that's part of like the interesting thing about this Netflix Netflix is like a black box you know stuff goes in stuff comes out who knows where it originally came from who really knows what made it it's just kind of like this unknown thing um and because of that Netflix I think takes takes risks on movies where other studios would maybe pass or a smaller studio would would pick it up this feels like something that like Anna Purina Pictures could have done and done a lot better
0: Mm-hmm. Um
2: and Netflix instead I think buys the rights to it and does it in a way that like really any other studio would have done it and it's just like meh it's fine so that's kind of what the difference is to me is unless you get someone like Coen Brothers or Alfonso Cuaron, um, and give them like a 100 million dollar budget and total creative freedom this is the kind of stuff you're going to get
0: this may be a little bit millennial of me. But one of the biggest differences for me is when I go to a movie theater, like everything's away. I am focused on the screen. When I'm at home watching a Netflix movie, I'm somewhat distracted by what's going on. Me, I have my phone. I'm like, if I pull out my phone, no one's going to bother me. And it's maybe that's a problem with me, but there's this like disconnect that I always feel with Netflix movies that isn't there in like a true theater experience. I don't get wrapped up at home as I'm as much as I do in the theater. And, I don't know if that's a purest thing of like, I think movies and theaters are better or what I do think movies and theaters are better, but I think that there's some sort of magic lost by only watching a movie at home.
1: Yeah. For, for me, it's, it's any kind of tension that's built up. Yeah. is not there because there's always an, an like, easy release. Um, like this movie, I was really kind of, I was really tense trying to figure out what was going on, where we are in the movie. And I like paused it and I saw that I'm like 54 minutes in and I'm like, Oh, okay. There's still a lot left to go. You know, when you're (laughs) in the theater, you kind of are like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, how long is this movie? How much longer do we have? Like, you don't know. I think that it matters more for, for intense movies than for lighthearted movies, Um, I did not mind watching set it up on my TV on Netflix. That's Um, true. I I would not have gained any, and I love set it up, but I wouldn't have gained anything from it in the theater, but Roma, um, something that looks that good should be seen on the biggest screen possible anyway. And bird box would have been a little bit more terrifying in the theater. I think, um, Mm -hmm. it would also been more terrifying if it had been made better, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, but but yeah, I think there there's definitely something missing. I don't think it it makes the movie that different or our appreciation of it different. But I think that the viewing experience is definitely different.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Transformers movies do so well at the box office is because it's you're going for the spectacle of what the theater can offer. Um, it's a terrible movie, but like if you're into things exploding and loud noises, that's really the only way to enjoy it. <laughs> Um, th- this isn't like a giant action spectacle like Transformers is, but I definitely think it would have hit with more punch, uh, in the big, like tense moments. Um, I like something like the big sick is the perfect example of yeah. a straight to streaming film. It's just like, uh, a romantic comedy with some heart, you know? <laughs> um, and, and like small indie films, things like that. You You're not losing anything. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, you have stuff like Game of Thrones, which has the visual spectacle and, uh, and is like more highly quality produced than most movies that enter the theaters, you know, and that's going straight to people's like setups at home. But do so, you think that
0: that has been, who knows some, my thought with that is that with episodic TV like that, where, or, or any form of, you know visual medium where there are episodes is that you have time to get invested towards like this. It's like, it's a quick two hours. You're in and you're out tour you know, game of Thrones, you have six, seven seasons of investment to keep you glued to That's the TV true. towards. This is like, you better get me interested and you better get me interested quick.
2: Yeah. And also like game of Thrones, while there is the spectacle, it's really what it is. It's, it's like the most expensive, sexual and violent soap opera ever made like that's really what it is you know so um it it is it's more about the character relationships than the spectacle which is this is that's what this wants to be but it is not
0: there are no character relationships here um so yeah let's kind of get into our general thoughts i feel like we've talked about this a little bit but let's we've talked about it in context of netflix so let's 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 actually get to our individual thoughts of this movie as a whole, Trevor, why don't you kick us off?
1: Um, yeah, I thought this was a a pretty entertaining movie. I thought it was kind of a fun, it does some fun things. It's, it's thrilling at some points. I think it's, um, pretty unpredictable until it isn't. Um, and, and it's kind of a unique thing as far as kind of the things that are happening and the settings they're happening in. Um, it does some really good things, but I think it, I don't know if it tries to say too much or just doesn't say it in the right way, but it, it does it just, a lot of the themes and the heaviness really falls flat and doesn't completely come through for me, but, but I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it did some really cool, interesting things with action and um, I wish I had seen it on a big screen just because of the way that the movie, the movie works, but, but it was, it was mostly, mostly a pretty good movie.
2: Yeah, I would disagree. Um, for me, this movie is half of a great film with the five main characters all acting in different movies. Uh, there's like potentially a really interesting meta narrative that would have interesting modern commentary on like the super macho movies that we get, but it doesn't really like fully go there. And I think that's really how I feel about this whole movie. It It never fully commits to one thing, and then it fizzles after its climax, which is in the middle of the film. Um, And, yeah, I was left pretty disappointed and frustrated with the performances in this movie, but there are some really, really great moments of filmmaking here. Um, They just just couldn't tie the whole thing together.
0: I think you guys hit it on the head when you said that This movie dies halfway. This movie, like, once the spoilers, I guess, once the heist actually happens, the getaway is, I'm I'm out. I'm like, okay, we know we, it's kind of predictable what's going to happen from here. They telegraph a lot of the things pretty heavily. There's no, like, subtle part of, like, I wonder what's going to happen with the helicopter. No, they kind of tell you from very early on what's going to happen if you're looking for it. And I think what's more frustrating than anything is that if this movie understood what it had going for it, it could have been a good movie because I'm I'm somewhat interested in that front half. But after that, I, like 10 minutes into the second half, this is another thing with a Netflix movie. I was, I, I don't know if I've ever walked, I've walked out of maybe two movies in my lifetime in a theater and for, for different reasons. This is a movie though, that I would have kind of like been like, I might turn it off because I'm just kind of bored. And that's a Netflix thing is like, if you get bored with a movie, you can just turn it off and go right away. You're not going to lose any money. You already <laughs> paid your $12 a month to watch Netflix. And if I'm going to pay my $12, I'm going to get my monies out of it and not waste my time watching.
1: <sighs>
0: I don't know. This movie just feels.
1: The first half is really interesting and it like leads to this. It's well, and I'm a to, but, but I feel like that's what I'm talking about. I, I feel like the first half was really unpredictable. Like I didn't know what was happening. Like I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like the whole heist thing was, was really tense. And I think really good filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, everything was good up until the helicopter crash, and then at that yeah. point, it's like, okay, well, I know what's going to happen now. For the like, like yeah. every helicopter just a crash, a was
0: telegraphed after that. It's Even this, the helicopter crash felt like it was like telegraphed. Like it was almost like, all right, I get that the helicopter is going to crash. Let's just hurry up and get to that.
1: I guess we're in spoilers. Sorry, everyone, <laughs> but yeah, it's. That's what the first half of the movie is really interesting. And then the second half, all of the major plot changes are are based on obviously bad decisions by the characters.
0: Yes. Yes. These incredibly like, smart people become incredibly illogical and stupid. Yeah and, and the, yeah, and
1: what makes it weird is that the characters are all really self-aware, except when they're making really bad decisions. Yeah. Like like, was, yeah. like they talk about yeah. like what it's like to have given this service to your country and not get anything out of it. And like the toll that it's taken on them fi- mis- mentally and physically and and how they're they're like not in this place to that they like they they know they're not doing the right thing or whatever. But then they just like even though they're talking about that, they still make bad decisions like it's very bizarre.
0: I think that's part of my issue like overall on like a deeper level with this movie is that I have no idea what they're trying, what they want us to feel by the end. Are we supposed to be like, look at the brotherhood that these guys have. Are we supposed to be like greed is bad. You don't need 250 million. 50 million would have done. It felt
1: like they were going for the hurt locker thing of showing like how four, four, Guys that have served in the military in these situations that have PTSD or don't or are or, or so used to this life that they, even if they hate it or if it's not great for them, that they can't do anything else. And that's, that was like the power of the Hurt Locker and Jeremy Renner's performance. And this Which is another Mark Bull script. Right. Another Mark Bull script. Um, but this just does. It like almost, it tries to go there. And then every time it gets close, it's like, let's make them mad at each other. <laughs> and and it just, it really backs away. And it's, it's frustrating um, because I think that there's something there. This movie almost had something really interesting to say. And then it just turned out to be like a modified homeward bound.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man. This movie, man. Yeah. I guess let's start with like the cast because holy cow, this is an amazing cast that turns out pr- a pretty mediocre performance. Ugh.
1: Yeah, what is Ben Affleck th- was being Bruce Wayne from Batman v Superman for some reason? Yes.
2: What's the last good thing Ben Affleck did? And was he ever a good actor? That's the Argo. question. But was he good in
0: Argo? I thought he was good like, in Argo. I think he's.
2: I. Th- he, I thought he directed a great film, but like I don't, his performance—I don't remember anything about his performance. I just remember Argo.
0: I'm
1: not I would sure say stopped he stopped being that character since he did that
0: movie, though. <laughs> I I would say that he's been the same character since Gone Girl. So for about five years yeah. now, he's played the exact maybe the town even 2010. Nine years he's played the same. Yeah, guy.
1: That was that was he was really good in the town, like he was actually
0: good in
2: did he just like method act the town and he's stuck? Yeah.
0: (laughs) But even the town is somewhat like if his goodwill hunting character had gone down a dark path, it's not really that far off of something that he's already done.
1: Yeah. But, but he was, he was likable in the town. He hasn't been likable since then. Like, like he's the bad guy, but you root for him. Like, John clearly the bad guy, even though he's the cop. He broke up
0: with Jennifer Garner. Well,
2: that's right. All I know is after the announced untitled account sequel and Justice League Part Two comes out, he will have had sixty-nine acting credits. So it's time to stop. That's, <laughs> that's 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 the most bro thing you can do. Yeah, except for the fact that he's based on done this movie.
0: officially playing Batman. We will never see him play Batman again.
2: Will we? Though? Who knows? I really think he, he keeps flip-flopping. He
0: came out and did a whole like, interview I mean, about it. He had yet to talk like, publicly. Cl-
2: yeah. I mean, based on just this performance alone, you can tell he's done. Like, he's <laughs> done with life. He's, he's, he's phoning it in. I'll,
1: I will say, with regard to this performance, that the best work he does is when he's trying to sell a condo to those people half-heartedly. And that made me think <laughs> that I want to see Ben Affleck in a black comedy about a condo salesman who never makes a sale. Yes. Like, I would watch that movie.
2: Yep. That would be a great movie.
0: He's had such an interesting career because he started off like one of the first things he ever did was win an Academy Award for Goodwill Hunting. And then, you know, he did some weird things. Like, after Daredevil. being in
1: Kevin Smith movies and yep. dazed and confused.
0: <laughs> yep. Then he did Geely with Jennifer Lopez. And then he kind of like did this like random th- Movies here or there thing, and then he came out and directed Gone Baby Gone, and we were like, "Huh, that's interesting." Ben Affleck directed a very interesting movie, and then he did and the he's town. not even in it, right? Then he did <laughs> the town, and we were like, "Huh." Then he did Argo and won, uh, which one Best Picture, and we were like, "Huh," and then he just poo-pooed his career away. <laughs> do you think very
2: very
1: eloquently thank you he poo poo did Zack Snyder break him
0: no maybe I don't think so (laughs) I think it's a it's the one two punch of him being in a little film called Runner Runner with Justin Timberlake which is arguably the worst film I've ever seen it's up there Um, and then I think David Fincher kind of did a number on him of him just being like I will never be as good of a director as Fincher well, when you girl. have to do
2: 50 takes every scene and your wife leaves you at the same time, <laughs> that's going to do some psychological damage.
1: <laughs> and everything is so dark because it's Fincher. Yeah. Like, why is everything yep. blue in
0: here? Why it that this green hue? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I don't
2: Okay, so Triple Frontier. Triple Frontier. <laughs> triple um, frontier.
0: Oscar <laughs> Isaac, um not this is one of those this is one of those frustrating things. Oscar Isaac to me is a person who i love watching on screen no matter what no matter how much he's no matter how short how long whatever he's on screen and i was kind of like is oscar isaac not that great this movie had me questioning oscar isaac
2: well he was the best in this film for me oh for sure i thought he was i thought he was
1: pretty good yeah but it's the supporting
2: seeing him seeing him interact with ben affleck made me so sad of what could have been with oscar isaac as batman
1: Mm, that's oh, interesting. I know. Oh, he would have been a great Batman.
2: Could he still? Just play seeing Batman? them interact and how sad Ben Affleck looked compared to Oscar Isaac, I was just like, "Man, you're the Batman we deserved." Mm. I also, I thought, I thought that Garrett Hedlund was really good.
1: I thought, I thought that he just like nailed the bro MMA fighter thing.
2: You know who wasn't good? Oh, Charlie Hunnam's yep. accent. Charlie Hunnam's accent <laughs> what was the, the hell. hell. Wait, wait. like the beginning. Charlie of the Hunnam in
0: general.
1: The, at the beginning
2: you love charlie hunnam
0: i am the oh. one person who's watched sons of anarchy and i like charlie hunnam but what is the guy doing oh my
1: god it's so he is bad. pretty good looking so when oh, he's
0: good him. he's really good films like lost city but of z the thing is
1: he's he he uses an american accent in all of sons of anarchy right
0: yeah it's
1: not he great. was talking like he had never like tried to drop his accent before but like if you ever
2: was, listened well, to an interview, like from with him? scene to scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the very so from beginning scene to scene, you, it you would can be, tell uh, that he's like
1: fighting it, and then there are some times where it just like is just straight up British accent, like it's not. It's
0: even, whenever yeah. he yells or not, raises his voice,
2: not even trying to disguise it. Yeah. Just, uh, it was so bad.
0: And then you have uh. Pedro Pascal who. He's
2: He was just there. He's just, he was fine. They are
0: They don't give him anything to do, but what he does have is like, he has, he has okay, like a really, like a
1: really good presence to him. Like I just like yes. him. Like he just, yes. I just like him being around.
2: Yeah. He did a good job.
0: So let's, let's talk, let's talk script a little bit because this is Mark Bowles first script that he's done. That hasn't been based on a true story. So do you guys think that him not having something to work off of is a hindrance to this film?
2: Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, it would seem that way. <laughs> the evidence, the evidence shows that this is yes. the
1: worst movie he's been involved in, obviously um, by far. I, I think he was Detroit... involved with
0: After Earth. Just to be
1: fair, okay. Uh, Detroit's issues have more to do. with... That's
2: based on something, though. <laughs> After Earth is based on real life. <laughs>
1: um, Detroit's issues, as we've talked about, have a lot more to do with the way they told their story than than the actual nuts and bolts of it, I think, um, the script is great. Um, but, but Mark bowl is a, he's a journalist by trade, so it shouldn't be too surprising. I think that, that he
0: does better with, um, real people to work off of. Um, but like, even when he's working off of real people, he has to then like fill in the clues and be like, okay, how do I get people to be interested in this character? Like he made, right. Like in Detroit, he does such a fantastic job of giving every character their moment to where, when their like pinnacle time comes, their climax, their individual climax, you're invested in that character. And I don't feel like we're invested in anybody here in this. And it almost feels like it'd be easier if you don't have like something to work off of, of, like, okay, who was this person actually? Like, make this person whatever I want. And I already know how to make people interested. Let me just do my thing. I don't
1: know. Maybe, oh. maybe he needs Catherine Bigelow to, to bring something into his his story, his writing. Yeah. Hmm. So, so, but I mean, because I can, I can say with, I, I have, I have not seen any other J.C. Chander films. I know that there's, they're all very well reviewed. Um, but I can say with fair amount of certainty that this movie would have been better if it had been directed by Catherine Bigelow.
0: Yeah, but you could probably. Yeah,
2: probably.
1: I can tell you the acting performances would have definitely been better directed by Catherine Bigelow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, let me ask you this: Does the environment of the Triple Frontier add anything whatsoever to the film? It's. What do you mean by environment? Like, could this film have been set in Hawaii and been off of? Or in Thailand,
2: they shot it in Hawaii. Well,
0: yeah, Um, but could this film have been set in Thailand and been like? It always like so. For a film that titles its movie after its environment, I would hope that there is something more geographically linking this film to that place than just like it's a drug cartel. Which it's like, that
1: could have been anywhere. They didn't do a great job of describing what they were doing geographically, except for we have to get over the Andes over and over again.
0: Which, like, it just feels like the laziest thing to be like, hey, you guys want to know what's really cool? There's this place in South America where three countries come together and there's mountains. It's a triple frontier. Oh, I like that. Oh, (laughs) let's set the movie there. When it's like, this movie could have been set anywhere and you could have made any excuse for why the plane crashed. It could have gotten shot out the sky and you would have the exact same effect. Who cares? It just feels like the laziest, like writing.
2: I definitely think that like you could have said it in other countries, but I do think that setting it in like central slash Southern America, uh, is important because of America's influence, uh, especially, like covert operations to undermine authority or to take down drug cartels or to help drug cartels, depending on if the drug cartel is against the government. Like, uh, right. I think that 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 that's an interesting concept that I wish they had explored more. But I think that that does kind of like well. root it in, quote, realism a little bit?
1: I think that bringing that in would have helped explain the triple frontier thing because you have... Yes. Um, with Colombia, Brazil, and Peru, you have three countries that have pretty different relationships with the United States, um, mm. and as a result, the United States military. Um, but, I mean, we even see... And we kind of touch on that with the people in that small remote village even know what the DEA is. So... Yeah we see that there is that, that influence, that American presence. But again, it's one, another one of those things where this movie could have said something, but it decided to say a tiny bit of everything, I guess. Um, of so what do you think this movie
0: thing. is trying to say?
2: Okay. So I know this is a- like really the only question that I have an answer to. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I thought a lot about this. So th- this movie is trying to say a few things poorly, but what's, what's interesting is like the men in this movie are not good people and they do mostly bad things. And like their, their quote bond of brotherhood does not absolve them from the moral bankruptcy and, and greed that they have in this film. Um, it, it, The movie is really good when it makes that plain. Like when it, when it complicates the narrative of, like, quote, men who serve this country are deserving of respect. Like, that, that is a really interesting idea of, like, these guys are the villains and, like, a country's interests can be self-serving. And, like, when they're focusing on that story, on the interweaving of these men's past fighting for their country and now them fighting their flaws... Um, cause well, that's what these guys are is they're, they're retired special forces, uh, with, with serious flaws. And those, those flaws make them interesting characters because we can relate to them and empathize them, even though they're, they're villains like this going through. This means no more struggling for money, no more embarrassing yourself in front of their children. Like they took bullets for their country. They took lives for their country. They deserve more than this. Like that's an actual quote from the movie. Um, I think that's what this film is really trying to say is, like, these men deserve more, um, but by doing that, you're crossing a line, and you're no better than the men you're taking down, which is then, like, an interesting analysis of American imperialism and its, like, devastating effects on the individuals and and the the countries that it ensnares and its web. and That's the problem is... This movie is saying so many things like just touching on them and then skipping to the next topic as fast as possible without like, no, let's go, let's go deeper in like into, I want, I wanted them to like get the money, get back with the money. And then that doesn't solve any of their problems. Like I, th- that's more interesting to me than like, we went through all of that and it doesn't even matter. And at the end, we're going to sit around a table and rah, 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 brotherhood. It's like no, we're back to where we started. No, nothing changed except for a guy's dead.
1: Yeah, The guy it, who it, is it arguably really,
0: like the really selfish, really, really selfish right. character. The guy who created the
1: most yeah. problems for the operation in the end. Yeah, um, yeah. It really. This is an interesting thing that that I kind of think about quite a bit, especially with the way that people talk about um, those who serve in the military. This this idea of are you a hero just because you serve your country? Um, and and kind of what do, do those two things mean the same thing? Do they mean something different? And this kind of, like you were saying, Jake, goes along those lines. Um, but it, it's like it's too scared to offend someone almost by yes. by landing on one side or the other.
2: Yeah. It, it wants to say a lot without, like, firmly saying that right. thing. And we reach this point where it's at like, At that point, now, why even say anything? Right.
1: The, the end of the last third of the movie is just about duty. Like, we have a fallen brother we have to take home, and that's it.
2: Yeah. And uh, did you guys roll your eyes when the bro brother is, like, singing the, he was an airborne oh,
0: ranger? Yes.
2: Like for three minutes carrying the money after, like I get what you're trying to do. I understand. It's like his friend just died and he's singing that song while carrying the money that killed his friend. Like there's irony here. I understand it, but it, it just didn't feel earned. I don't know if, is that the right it word? Was, it was weird, it felt but too a vacuum
1: on its own, I kind of liked it. I just enjoyed it. From a, at a like a visceral level,
2: uh, yeah. I, I kinda, it, was, it felt it no. felt
1: very like cowboy around the campfire kind
0: of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. but <laughs> is that what they want? And the, like, <laughs> even like everything just felt so <clears throat> so heavy-handed. Like there are parts that felt very heavy-handed. And, like, in your face. Like, the whole burning money thing to stay warm was just a very, like, all right, we get it. There's a lot of money. When, I don't know. Just, it just feels uh. like, what can we do that would be really, really cool? Oh, you ever seen people burn this, money for warmth? No. Let's do it. Okay. The
2: The first half of this movie is really good. Like, they should have done more time in that like setting up the heist uh building relationships with the informants building relationships with each other heist happens escape and then like the escape they get away or they all die in a helicopter crash like pick your poison which whichever one you want and make the movie like a tight hour 40 with more character development Mm -hmm. um also don't put the climax of your film before halfway through the film. Like that's Jake, just I
1: don't know what you're talking about. The climax of the film was when they drove a truck straight into the ocean trying to get to a
0: boat fast.
2: No. No, <laughs> but it wasn't though.
0: <laughs> but
2: was it? The heist was awesome. The heist was awesome.
0: Yeah, they just spent a lot of time showing people digging into walls.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. There was too much of that. I didn't need to see all of that. I was like, um, I
0: get it. This whole like, there's money in the banana stand, as Trevor's wife says. <laughs> we get it. Uh, Move on.
1: I I did love when Pedro Pascal's character came came in the room and was like, "What is everyone shooting at?" That was that was yeah. pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts?
1: Was this was a uh, like it was like um, a video game that turns from a first person shooter into an RPG. Suddenly (laughs) that's sort of how I felt when I was watching it. I was like, this sounds, this is a really cool plot for a video game. Like, like constant stealth being, being really tactical and everything. And then you just have to make decisions and meet mountain goat farmers and, (laughs) and trade for them and barter with them. Hoping to make it to the ocean.
0: (laughs) Did you guys think at uh, ever like at the like end part, not the end part, but I guess the part where Ben Affleck gets shot that elite <clears throat> military, you know, guys like that would either know that somebody is following them or that they would be able to handle all of that better? Yeah, yeah, like there's part of me that's like, you guys just robbed this entire house, took out like 13 different guards. And then these two kids in the mountain are what your undoing is? They
1: had the high ground. I think ground. that's the
2: point, though. The, the, that's the point is it's like uh, a kid can get you. You know, you turn around the corner and a kid can, like, even though they are American special forces, like, first off, they're old and retired, so they've lost a bit of step, but, like, uh, a lucky shot can get you, you know? So.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's fair. All right, let's get to ratings. Uh, Trevor, kick us off.
1: Okay, yeah, so this was uh, an interesting movie. It's a military movie that's also a heist movie that's also a bro movie that's also a morality play with an unclear moral. Um, So I ultimately am giving it... um, I think I actually like it less than when we started talking about it now. Um, I'm giving it a single and a half out of Triple Frontier. Mm.
2: Nice. Noice, just brazil
1: <laughs> brazil and a little uh, bit of
2: Colombia. just a touch of Colombia. <laughs> um
1: it makes me think of the
0: <laughs> community joke about the coffee uh, oh, man. all right jake
2: so, yeah so i agree with everything trevor said um there's not much more to say about this movie it's fine uh i give it a c minus uh a disappointment, but not the worst thing I've ever seen. So there you go.
0: Yeah. I'm with Jake. It's a C low C for me. I crapped on this movie quite a bit. There's enjoyable parts and it's just overall forgettable. Like this is a movie that at the end of the year, as I'm looking back through the movies that I saw in 2019, I will have forgotten that this movie came out. I guarantee there's nothing memorable. Just turn it
2: like, Just turn it off once they take off in the helicopter. Yes. And it's a much better movie.
0: Look at it as like a 45 minute intense high budget action film. Yeah. And then you're good. It's like a
1: really good pilot episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, we just fixed triple frontier. You're welcome, Netflix. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week?
2: Yeah, my content of the week is a Netflix original. Um, It is the animated anthology, uh, Love, Death, and Robots. It is super interesting. A bunch of like little short animated films. They range a wide variety of styles and topics uh, and stories. I will warn you, some of them are very much not for children, Um, but there are a lot of like the PG 13 level um like i think the longest one is like 15 minutes just hop on there find one that fits your fancy and give it a watch it's just really cool to see uh like really really creative original short form animation content Uh, that's something that we don't get enough of anymore these days and uh this is killing it so this this is what i want more of from netflix this was super original check it out
0: trevor
1: all right, so this past week I finally saw Black Klansman, and it is fantastic. Um, you should definitely see it if you haven't. John David Washington and Adam Driver are incredible in it. So is Topher Grace as David Duke, um, who I like to think the specific casting of Topher Grace was just a direct slap in the face to David Duke, yeah, um, which I appreciate very much. Um, And um, so, yeah, see Black Klansman. It's really great. Um, One of Spike Lee's best works, I think. Um, Also, um, I don't know if we – have we ever recommended a beer on here? Have we ever done that as a content
0: of the week? I don't think so.
1: Oh. We've recommended rides. We've
0: recommended musicals. We've never recommended a beer.
1: All right. So I'd like to recommend – it's kind of hard to get in this part of the country, but I'm drinking from one of my my glasses right now from – main beer company in freeport maine um their slogan is do what's right so you gotta get on board with that they have this beer called lunch and it's really good it's um it's an ipa it's pretty strong kind of fruity um really tasty one of the better ipas you'll ever have so um if you ever see that lunch by main beer company it's very tasty
0: nice um, I'm going to recommend... Well, something I've talked a lot about in this podcast you guys are probably tired of, but Free Solo is officially available to watch on Hulu. If you have Spotify, it means you have Hulu, so it means you can go watch it. The film that won Best Documentary this year's Academy Awards. Other than that, just a quick reminder that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is now on DVD, so everybody go watch that because it's the best movie from last year. And then the last thing I have is a podcast, and I know that like narrative fiction podcasts are kind of divisive but there's one called wolverine the long night which is like a marvel podcast that i'm halfway through and is very good and very well done uh it's Mm -hmm. it's entertaining and it's got a great story it does a lot with like the wolverine character richard Armitage, who plays thorin in the hobbit movies and he's in um oh what was that show about hannibal lecter Hannibal. Is it just called Hannibal? Was it called Hannibal? Hannibal? I think so. He was in that. Um, he's been in a bunch of other things. He had a cameo in First Avenger, and he's a great actor, and his voice is Wolverine in this. So yeah, have either of you guys listened to that yet?
2: Yeah, I've finished the whole thing um, and it is very good. I would second I would second that recommendation
0: beans that's all we have for this week we'll be back next week with a new episode where we will review jordan Peele's us so we may be completely uh different people a good horror movie yeah we may be completely terrified out of our minds so trevor um don't get sick this week there's no excuses
1: <laughs> i'll try not to i'm looking forward to it
0: if you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes or Spotify, subscribe, rate, review us, follow us, whatever you do on that social media platform, do it and share it with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, the best place to do that would be at Popcorn Optional on Twitter. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me on Twitter at 321CamiTime or on Letterbox at CSalina. Jake, where can we find you online?
2: You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram handle, and I'm on Letterbox at Jake underscore Brown. Trevor,
1: Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at Turbo Trevor.
0: In the words of Truman Burbank, "If I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night."